adelantarse con nosotros, con todos los niños. Hola, buenos días. Bienvenidos. ¿Por qué me miras así, Eli? All right. How are y'all doing? Good. I'm glad to hear that. So, do you remember what we've been talking about lately? Not, not the question for you. You've been here. I've been here, but I mean, I'm not we've we've got your picture on the wall in the hallway. What? So. That's right. He's not normally here this early, but here we are. So we've been talking about how God wants you to have a strong faith. That He wants you to have a strong faith. That He wants your faith to grow stronger and stronger over the course of your life. Kind of like your bodies grow and become stronger every day, God wants your faith to be the same way. He wants it to grow and become curiously strong. And so we have these, these mints. Have any of you tried our mints yet? Did you like it? Okay, I have a different flavor today. Because the, 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 uh, the um, mint, the wintergreen and the spearmint and whatever else we tried, those were kind of strong. So I brought cinnamon today. I don't know why when you open this box of mints, it says uncle on the wrapper right there. Hmm. I wonder, would any of you like to try a cinnamon, a cinnamon? Okay. I'm going to take one. It's cinnamon. Just pass it. Take one and pass it around. Take one. If you want one, take one and pass it around. And then when you're ready to spit it out, you can put it in one of those. You want to try it? You want one? All right. Get it? Okay. And if you don't like it, you can put it in. A, you don't want any cinnamon? Spicy. <laughs> All right. Yeah. One, first one's out, second one's out. Ellie, is, is yours out? It's coming out. You didn't like it, man. So maybe God wants our faith to be strong, like these candies, but maybe not too strong. I don't know. Just, there's a. If anybody can save me from my own metaphor, I'm all ears. Help me out. I'm. I would love that. None, none yet. So, can I read you a verse? I'm going to read you a Bible verse. So, this is from Psalm 122, and it says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So, when your parents say we're going to church this morning, I hope that you're excited. I hope that you want to be here because God wants his people to come together in joy. 
to enjoy his grace, his love, his presence, his people, the fellowship that we enjoy at church. God wants us to have each other and to come together in his presence, and that's one of the ways that he grows our faith, by bringing us together to worship him, to remind ourselves of who God is and how much he loves us. So we are to be glad when we get to come together. Is that pretty cool? All right. And that's one of the ways coming together to worship God is one of the ways that he grows our faith stronger and stronger every week by getting together and worshiping him. All right. I think you get it. Can I pray with you guys before you go to Hope for Kids? Dear God, thank you for these incredible children. Thank you for the blessing that they are to our church and to our lives and to our families, and we pray your blessing over them. As they study more of your word and hope for kids today, fill them with your Holy Spirit and lead them into a deeper understanding of how much you love them. Your blessing over them and their teachers, we ask in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. Y'all have a great time and hope for kids. Have fun. Glad you're here. join me in prayer as we prepare our hearts for God's word this morning. God, our loving Father, we come before you as we open your word. We pray that you would speak to us and that you would open our hearts and read there what we need to give to you, our sins and disappointments and our joys and victories, that we would bring it all before you today and offer it to you that we might be free to encounter you here through your word today. We lift to you those relationships in our lives that are strained, and we pray for peace and reconciliation where it is needed. We lift to you those whom we know and love who are sick or facing uncertain diagnoses, and we pray your healing mercies over them. I pray for all of those who grieve, that you would pour out your comfort upon them, And Lord, we lift up our country and our leaders at every level of government, elected and appointed. And uh, that was a close one. Um, Just help them to do their jobs and uh, get their work done so our country can continue to operate. Um, We lift those who serve our country in uniform in various capacities, and we pray your protection over them. We pray especially for those who are in harm's way. We ask that you would bring them home safely. We lift to you those who've returned home from their service changed, and we pray your healing over them, mind, body, and soul. Lord, we ask that you would use us, your church, to minister that grace and healing to them and to so many others, that your light would shine forth through the hearts of your people, that your word would go forth through our mouths and not return to you empty. And Lord, to that end, we pray for all the churches that we are connected to through our denomination and through our missions giving, and we pray your continued blessing over
over those works of your spirit in various places. We lift to you Paul and Elizabeth Branch in Guatemala. Uh, we lift to you John and Diane Davis in Laredo, Texas. We lift to you Patchy in Maryland, Quesada in Havana, Cuba. We lift up to you Tatiana as uh, the wife of the pastor of our sister church as she is en route here to be reunited with her family. We just pray your blessing over that journey. And Lord, we lift to you our sister church in Camajuani, Cuba, and we just pray your continued blessing over all that you're doing there. We lift the work of Robbie and Joyce Hamd in Beirut, Lebanon, along with other uh, members of our denomination who are serving there, doing your work and shining your light. And we lift up Monica and Benjamin Bailey in the, elsewhere in the Middle East, whom we support, and we just pray your blessing over their work. We lift all of these works to you and the church plants that are going on uh, in the state of Texas through our denomination right now, and we just pray your blessing over them. Be with us now as we open your word, open our hearts, and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, we are in a series of messages this uh, season through uh, 15 psalms that begin with Psalm 120 and go through Psalm 134. These are called in, in your Bible, if you have a current English translation, these are called the Psalms of Ascent. They are a collection of 15 songs that God's people would have sung together as they approached the temple in Jerusalem for worship. At least three times a year, these would have been uh, the hymnal for God's people in their approach to these holy, high holy days in Jerusalem. And we, uh, we started in Psalm 120, which is a little uh, gritty. It's down to earth. There's some uh, real guttural complaint that comes out in Psalm 120 that kind of gets God's, hearts, God's people's hearts started in a posture of repentance, of really the desire to turn away from the ugliness of the world and turn toward the heart of God. And then Psalm 121 was, was much more upbeat and helped us sort of understand or, or look at the, the providence of God, the, the way that God directs the courses of our lives toward what is good and right and true and wonderful. And then this week, we're going to look at Psalm 122, which is really, in, in every respect, a call to worship. And I'll just sort of set the stage for you, as God's people would have been approaching in Jerusalem, and they would have come into the gates, and at this point, they would have begun singing this song again. Um, and it's a song that, that recognizes that they're now in the city where the holy place is, where, where God's uh, throne resides. And so there's a sort of a exaltive aspect to this song that, that they're excited. Like, we're, we're here. We're inside the gates. We're, we're approaching the high holy place. We're approaching this place where worship is centered for our people, and God is here. And we are glad. And so that note of gladness is what begins Psalm 122. We're going to start there. We're just going to read uh, through all nine verses, in, first in the ESV, and then we'll, we'll take a look at another uh, translation as well. So from 
Psalm 122, a song of a sense of David. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. There thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. The Um, author of the book that we're using to guide our way through these psalms. His name was Eugene Peterson, and he wrote a translation of the Bible or a paraphrase of the Bible called The Message, and I think I have those slides. Yes, okay, so we have Psalm 122 from Eugene Peterson's work, The Message, When they said, let's go to the house of God, my heart leaped for joy. And now we're here, O Jerusalem, inside Jerusalem's walls, Jerusalem, well-built city, built as a place for worship. The city to which the tribes ascend, all God's tribes go up to worship, to give thanks to the name of God. This is what it means to be Israel Thrones for righteous judgment are set there. Famous David thrones pray for Jerusalem's peace, prosperity to all Jerusalem lovers. Friendly insiders, get along. Hostile outsiders, keep your distance. For the sake of my family and friends, I say it again, live in peace. For the sake of the house of our God, God, I'll do my very best for you. So that's Eugene Peterson's take on it. Um, and uh, I think a couple of things. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at poetry here, so it's supposed to evoke something. That's what we're going for. And I think it's evident in the very first verse of this psalm that the, the pilgrims, those who've come through the gates and into the city, they're overwhelming first response is gladness, joy, the excitement of being back to where they are in right relationship with God. And so as we look at this psalm, we we want to sort of point it toward our own hearts and ask the question, what is it that God wants from us through this portion of his word? And As a call to worship, I think the first thing that we can see in Psalm 122 is a call to renew the way that we worship. Maybe way isn't the right word. Maybe the tone or the motive or what, what, how we approach worship. And I can uh, speak from experience that... um, Not every Sunday uh, is a joyful entry into this space. 
some Sundays, I'm in a bad mood, <laughs> and I don't want to be here. I come here for, for the very simple reason sometimes that I'm supposed to be here, right? But overall, I actually love this gathering, this time, this collection of souls that God has surrounded us with here. I love it. I enjoy it. And most Sundays, if not the overwhelming majority of Sundays, I come in excited to be here, to see you, to gather together, to unite our hearts in this exercise we call worship. Um, and here we are in this call to sort of renew our approach to worship. So let's look at what the psalm says about how we do that, and we begin with this call to be glad, to be glad to come together in God's presence with God's people, to be glad that we are here. This idea that we, as Christians, are to express joy, specifically the joy of our salvation, that we are loved by a God who loves us unconditionally, who has gotten past all of the barriers we've placed between ourselves and his grace. And he's overcome all of that on the cross, risen from the dead. We have eternal hope, and out of all of this should well up a really a constant joy. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. Happiness is, uh, as you probably are aware, is very transient. Um, you can be happy when you get a new car. Um, that will eventually be the old car that you're happy to get rid of, right? Um, joy is one of those interesting things that God gives us that actually transcends our circumstances. So you can, you can experience joy uh, at a funeral. You can experience joy in the midst of loss. You can experience joy at any time. And God says, I'm calling you together as my people. I want joy even if you feel sad or lonely or sorrowful. I want you to know that you have joy that can be expressed through worship on a good day, on a bad day, and all the days in between. And so we are called to express joy. And I, I get it. I'm a Presbyterian. I'm not good at this. Expression? No. We don't do that, right? We keep our feelings to ourselves. And this is one of the good things about worship, is it calls us to come together and express those things that are true, whether we feel like it or not. We're to be glad to express joy and to want to come to worship. Okay. If we're supposed to want to come to worship, and we wake up on Sunday morning and we don't want to come to worship, what do we do? Come anyway, right? And, and you know, keep coming until the want to comes back. Because you're not going to always want to. That's normal. But there is something about the rhythm 
of this experience that does our hearts and souls well. And so we come back. We try it again. We step back in, and we're, some days, we're looking for that joy. And other days, we're the source. We're, we're, we're the, the point through which the joy of God is flowing. But come together. Come together, because it's in that coming together that that joy is both expressed and experienced. And so maybe... Uh, you're here on a day where you're full of that joy. And maybe I'm walking in after a bad week and I'm not so full of joy. Guess what? Joy is contagious. And so your joy can rub off on me and help me. And we help each other this way by coming together and expressing the gladness of being part of God's family. And so we're to be glad, and then we're to grow in our confidence. I want you to look at the poetry here, verse 3. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together. This idea of a place that is solid, that gives strength, that conveys that confidence that we're in the right place. We, as worshipers, are to come together and grow in that confidence of faith that being in God's family gives us. We come together to renew our sense of God's presence, and we come together to rekindle our sense of God's purpose. Verse 4, the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. We are called together for a reason. This is part of God's decree, if you will, that we gather in his name, express the joy of our salvation together, that we rub off on each other in positive ways, and as we do this, we grow in, our, in the confidence of our faith. Our faith is strengthened, our hearts are encouraged, we are renewed, and our sense of God's purpose is rekindled. I can tell you from experience, just seeing your faces on a Sunday morning is encouraging. It is, there's something about this, I, you know, I'm human, right? And for a long time, I would wake up and head towards hope, fully expecting the place to be empty when I got here, right? Like, I'm the kind of leader, I turn around and there's nobody there right? And it's just my own self-doubt, my own bad reality, and I show up, and there's a smile, and there's a face, and there's someone I wasn't expecting, and there's people I was expecting, and it's all beautiful, and it's all wonderful, and we do that for each other when we come together. And you may not be feeling it on any given Sunday, but you never know what impact your smile will have on someone else that day. And so we come, we gather in gladness, and we grow in confidence, and we give thanks. This idea that's embedded in this psalm at the end of verse 4, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. We come together in gratitude. 
here's the deal. I have received something from Christ that I absolutely did not deserve. If I am anything other than grateful at the foot of the cross, I'm doing it wrong. And if we do this correctly, every week we come back to this truth of God's sacrifice through Jesus Christ, the Messiah, on the cross for our forgiveness. And that makes us mutually grateful. It makes us the fellowship of gratitude that God wants us to be. That is the great equalizer. So it doesn't matter where you're coming from, what kind of a week you've had, or where you are in life, you come into this family of gratitude. And it's edifying, it's, it's renewing, it's a blessing. And so here we come in gratitude to give glory to God. There's something about Returning to God the praise that he deserves that is good for the human soul. And it's good for me to do that with you, and it's good for me to do that when I'm alone. It's good for me to worship. It's good for us to worship. So, we're about to get to a verse, verses uh, 5 and 6. There, being in Jerusalem, verse 5, thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. So we're going to talk about that for a second. And we're going to talk about verse 6 before we go into this next half of the psalm. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And I'm going to ask a question you probably were not asking. Okay? Are we, as Christians, supposed to be praying for present day, the present day city of Jerusalem. Is that what this Bible verse means? That we are to be somehow in prayer for the modern day city of Jerusalem, for the modern political entity called Israel? Is that what we're supposed to be praying for? There are several Christian teachers out there who would say, yes, absolutely, that's what this means. Get down on your knees, pray for Jerusalem. I think it's a bigger, much bigger call than that, and I'll try to explain. So here goes your pastor trying to answer a question nobody asked. You ready? All right, here we go. Um, So we're first, we're going to go to the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verse 18, Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. Okay, random, random, random quote, right? Here's my point. Fire in the Old Testament is the symbol of God's presence. When God came to Abraham and Abraham made sacrifices, how did God appear to move through the middle of the sacrifices? Anyone? Anyone? A smoking fire pot. Okay, smoke and fire, all right? When Moses encountered the great I am, what did he see? Fire, a burning bush that wasn't being consumed. Fire. The temple, the altar 
of sacrifice always had in it fire. It was a symbol. It was the symbol that God is here. That smoke would go up, and you would know that right next door to the altar was the Holy of Holies, and there was the Ark of the Covenant, which symbolized the presence of God on earth, the throne of God on earth. There was always fire at the temple or the tabernacle before the temple was built. Okay, we're square there. Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. All right, so the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, will literally change the way that God is with his people. He will be born as a human, as a baby, to a virgin, and he will then become the truth that God is with us in our faith. Luke 1.32, also talking of the Messiah. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. So, Jesus is the Messiah. He occupies David's throne eternally. Is that any questions? Clear? We're good? All right. So, Matthew 28, the last half of verse 20, these are the last words that Matthew records Jesus speaking, and they are simply this, Behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Jesus is with us. So, on the day of Pentecost, Jesus ascends to the right hand of God the Father. He leaves this earth, and the very next thing that happens, what comes down? Tongues of fire. And they rest on each individual of God's family at the time. All right, of each, well, each of the, at least the 12 apostles, but maybe more of his followers than that even. So the tongues of fire, Acts 2, 3, and 4, divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. What does that symbolize? God's presence. God is with us. The Messiah had promised. So the symbol of God's presence descends on each believer on the day of Pentecost, there is a fundamental shift in the way in which God is with his people. Before this, the fire was only where? In the temple. All right? After this, the fire is where? With each one of us. Every single one of us. We are, well, well, we'll just read the Bible. How about that? Um, 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are God's temple and that the, God's spirit dwells in you? The fire of God's presence is in your heart because Jesus atoned for your sins and gave you the deposit of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. We are the temple of God. So, um, uh, yeah, yeah, I have so much I want to say. 
right? So, so most often this, this verse is misapplied to mean that you should eat right and stay fit, right? Which is fine. Do that. I don't care. Eat right, stay fit, die anyway. It's all good. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that. Um, no, we, we, it's okay to eat well. That's okay. That's not a problem. Don't follow my example there, okay? All right. We're clear. Um, the truth of this passage is that you are the, the dwelling place of the presence of God on earth, that we collectively, we come together and we bring more of the Spirit, if that's possible, together when we come together and worship. We are the Jerusalem. We are the temple. We are the place that needs the prayers for unity, for peace, for well-being. Pray for your church, not Hope Church, the church, that collection of souls redeemed by the blood of Jesus. That's the stuff. That's, what, that's the Jerusalem we are to pray for. Um, so, we are the temple. It's not a building. Israel is God's chosen people. It's not a place. Israel is the family of souls redeemed by the Messiah. That's us. We are the Jerusalem to, of, over which we should be praying for unity, for peace, for togetherness, all of it. We are the people with whom God dwells. Okay, before we get to the thrones of David thing, I want to say this. So there was no temple in Jerusalem when David was king. Really, really interesting. There was, a, there was the, the Ark of the Covenant. There was a tabernacle, this kind of movable tent, and there was an altar that was set up and sacrifices were made. And David realized that there was going to need to be a place for that altar to reside and for the, the Ark of the Covenant to reside in Jerusalem. So he went to a, a neighbor and he said, can I buy your threshing floor to, to put the altar of God there? And his neighbor said, I'll give it to you. And David said, nope, no, nope, nope, it will be purchased. You remember, Lee, do you remember the guy's name? Ornan or something like that? Ornan's threshing floor. Or... All right, I, I, I was counting on you, man. All right, somebody can look that up. But it was David bought. So think about this for a minute. The temple would be built on someone's threshing floor where the wheat would be thrown up in the air, the chaff would float away, and that which was of value would descend into a pile. The altar of God would be placed on a threshing floor. That place where your sins were taken and go up in smoke was a threshing floor, where the chaff is blown away and what is precious piles up, comes together, is defined. That's you. You, your 
souls, our souls, were threshed out on that floor. Your Messiah was dedicated at that temple, and a sacrifice was made on that altar, on that threshing floor, to anoint him for his ministry of salvation. You are that collection of souls. So here we go into the second half of Psalm 122. Sorry for my crazy aside. We are first, we see that we're to renew the way we worship. And I didn't know how to phrase this, so I just put it down as we're to renew the the you of worship. The you, the me, the us, that needs renewal as well. So if I can, for just a second, you've got the threshing floor, the altar, eventually the the tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant is moved into Jerusalem, and you have this convergence of all of the offices of the Old Testament in one place. You have the king's throne in David's palace. You have the altar of sacrifice where the priests minister, and you have the, the office of God's word, the office of the prophet, now has a centralized place to come and proclaim the word of God. Prophet, priest, and king, this is what we call Jesus. Jesus is this coming together of all of these components of Old Testament worship. And so to renew ourselves is to put ourselves under the authority of Christ. The the common phrase for that is is lordship, which is kind of a weird term for a bunch of gringos. Um, We don't live under lordship as Americans. Like, I'm free, freedom, America, right? Um, But this idea that there is an authority above us, his name is Jesus, He is the fulfillment of the offices of prophet, priest, and king, and we are to place ourselves under his authority. He is our prophet because he fulfilled God's word. He is our priest because he made the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. And he is our king because he sits eternally on David's throne. This is our Jesus. This is the first step of personal renewal, is coming under the fullness of who God is in Jesus Christ, our prophet, our priest, our king. Then we move towards this call to pray, and I'm just going to frame it this way, that what God wants us praying for is what's on the inside. And look at the, look at this, the, the imagery in verses 6 and 7. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they may be secure who love you, Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. So there's several things going on here. There are multiple words in this little two verses that have the same root. It's the Hebrew word for peace. It's embedded in the name Jerusalem, the last So I don't do this very often, but you probably already know the Hebrew word for peace. It's shalom, 
which is badly pronounced, but that's, it's shalom. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, same root, same word, okay? So the word for peace is embedded into the name Jerusalem. It's also embedded into that word security. And so pray for the peace of the town of peace. May there be peace who love you, peace within your walls and peace within your towers, but they're different words with the same root, peaceful and peace and peacefulness maybe. Um, it's sometimes translated prosperity, and it's, it's a word that means to kind of like sit back. It's the sit back of, yeah, I'm done with the harvest. I can sit back and enjoy the rest of the fall until winter comes. Uh, I'm ready. It's a restful peaceful place that God wants our souls to live from, that, that we look at his provision for us, go back to Psalm 121, and we can sit there in a posture of, of strength, of security, of rest, of assurance that God's got this. And so to pray for what's on the inside, to promote the harmony and peace of the church, and to instill security and love in the hearts of those around us. This is the stuff that our faith is supposed to realize in our lives, that we should be a source of strength for the people around us, that we are part of this Jerusalem, this place where we can walk in and just stop and go, my God has got this. And when I see you exhibiting that kind of faith, it helps me exhibit that kind of faith. It helps me have strength and security. And I love that other key word in there, love. Did I, I just said love twice. I like love. All right. Pray for what's on the inside and pursue the common good. This is where the psalmist turns to tell us simply that we are to seek to bless others. So we come together in this fellowship of the redeemed, purchased by the blood of a Messiah, given a love we did not deserve. We come in gladness and gratitude, and as we gather, we are to seek ways in which we can bless others. And this could be, this could take any number of forms. Uh, you could even play the bass. Not well, but you could play it for the sake of trying to bless others. It could be in the sound booth, the, you know, wherever. Um, that we come here and we're trying to figure out how can I be a blessing to you? How can I do that? What, what do I need to do or what can I do that will strengthen you, help you grow, make you feel loved? How can I be a blessing to those around me? And we all come together in that pursuit of the common good, and that brings about unity and peace and security. And we have to all learn to set our own agendas aside. And if you really knew me, you'd be laughing when you hear me say that. 
right? I'm as human as you are. And what God is saying is, I have, I have a higher purpose for you. It's beyond what you can comprehend, and I want you to follow me into this good thing. It's healthy, it's life-giving, it's rejuvenating, it's called worship with my people. And the only tripping point is me learning to take my own stuff out of the way and lay down my agenda for the sake of what God wants for all of us. Peace, security, love, grace, unity, all the good stuff. Second Samuel 24:18 says Say his name again. Second <laughs> no, Samuel what? He's a Jebusite, whatever that is. 24, 18, good night. There it is. Arauna, Arauna. Yeah, never mind. Some Jebusites threshing floor. And by some miracle of God's grace, our souls were threshed out there by our Messiah. And he brings together that which is good, that which is redeemed, that which is glorifying to him. And weirdly, that's us. Will you pray with me? God, our loving Father, we marvel at your word that you would call (laughs) ragged, weary souls such as our own into your holy, eternal family. That you achieved this for us through the death of your own son. That it was love that compelled you to send him. It was love that compelled him to suffer. It was love that propelled our redemption. And so, Lord, we are grateful and we are filled with a joy that can only come from that salvation that we did not deserve. Lord, help us to express that to each other, to come here and strengthen one another's faith, to know that we are that dwelling place that you have chosen on earth and that you desire for us to reflect your love, your sacrifice, your heart to those around us. Lord, we are not worthy, but we are grateful. And we are compelled to ask you to include us in your will, 
in the extension of your grace, the expansion of your kingdom, the growth of grace in this world. Lord, that we can be a part of your eternal plan is both humbling and um, unbelievably compelling. We thank you. We love you. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit, that we can carry your presence into this dark and hurting world and shine your light and show your love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.